Greetings, and thanks for joining us. This podcast is one in a series produced by the Sunderland and District Historical Society. I am Joe Allen, and with me is Larry Doble. We share a passion for preserving and promoting our community's rich heritage. Each of these podcasts is focused upon an interesting historical artifact that is preserved in the Sunderland Museum. In our view, each of these items has an interesting story to tell, one that offers a glimpse into our past. Indeed, it is in these stories that our collection's relevance to the Sunderland community becomes meaningful. So, Larry... What item are we discussing today? The artifact we'll be talking about today is an A-grading machine that was patented by James Stuart Campbell in 1942. Wow. So dimensionally, Larry, uh, how would you describe this machine? What is it about the size of today's kitchen stove? Uh, yeah, that's about exactly right. Um, its function was to grade the eggs for a small rural operation, and it separates the eggs by their weight. Oh, yeah. Now, how is it, how is it constructed? Well, it's basically, it uh, has a moving uh, set of scales that move across the machine, and uh, as the eggs uh, go across the machine, they drop onto a padded uh, platform, I'll go through the exact steps uh, of the uh, process. So first of all, the operator would candle the eggs by hand, and he would hold them up to a lamp to look for uh, blood spots. And then the acceptable eggs are fed individually down a slope, and that takes them onto a set of moving scales. Each scale is adjusted for increasing weight sensitivity so that the heavier eggs fall off first and the lighter eggs last uh, as they move across the machine. So then the scale tips and the eggs roll gently down this padded slope uh, on a platform that's separated into different sections. Uh Uh, Finally, at the bottom of the slope, a second person manually placed the eggs into cardboard flats that can hold 30 eggs. And the flats are placed uh, in uh, wooden crates for shipping. And I was told by one of the operators that used to uh, do this uh, thing that she always had to put the eggs with the small portion of the egg down so that the air bubble would come up to the top of the egg and that would stop the eggs from uh, breaking when you put them in the, uh, in the crates. Uh, and she said she could usually do about 30 eggs per minute. Wow, all the tricks of the trade, eh? You were telling me that we are not the only museum that has archived this invention. An identical one is in the Canadian Museum for Science Technology in Ottawa. Now, the machine appears largely constructed with wooden leather with a small electric motor generating its movement. If you go online, there's detailed uh, diagrams of its structure, uh, and that helped me out because uh, we had to repair the one we had. Yeah, as you were saying, if you Google Campbell, egg grading station, 
Melbourne, Ontario, you get a full a schematic drawing of the machine as the registered U.S. patent number 238-1035A. Amazing. It is my understanding that Canadian legislation requiring the grading of eggs was first established in the early 1940s. The purpose of egg grading was to ensure the quality and safety of eggs being sold to consumers. Growing urbanization and growing markets, these machines must have greatly sped up production. I was talking to uh, one of the uh, people that were part of that business and they said initially they just had like a, a paddle, like a ping pong paddle, and it had holes in it, and you would place the eggs in the holes, uh, and depending on which hole they fit in, that's how they were graded, which was, you know, a pretty uh, painstaking process. But, um, and and I, I guess, too, that it was more the dimension of the egg, whereas you're saying this machine uses weight as the determinant. Yeah, that's true. There are there are some uh, uh, paddles like that that just measure the size of the egg more than the weight. But then there are also some little manual scales where you can just put individual eggs on the scale and grade them that way. So this certainly yeah. sped up the process. In our efforts to preserve uh, the history of our rural community, this machine seems like a, a really valuable addition. How was it acquired, Larry? This machine was donated by the Doug Foster family and is still used at the Sunland Fair to demonstrate small business egg grading. So, how are the eggs being graded by machines like this amassed? from the multitude of mixed farms that dotted our rural roads throughout much of the last century. Claire Thompson, who grew up on one such farm, just east of the village, shared his recall. Every morning and every night the eggs were collected and of course the hens fed and watered and, and, and looked after. And, and then initially when I was small, I'd collect them in, in wooden baskets. Then we'd put them in a big sink and uh, we'd hand wash them all and then packed them in those cardboard trays. But right. about, right. I'm, I'm thinking early 50s, Dad bought a, a, a machine to wash them, and it was uh, wire baskets, big round wire baskets, and you'd fill them up with eggs, and then you'd put them in this tub, and water circulated around them. It was kind of warm water circulated around them, and swished them and, and cleaned them off, and then you'd take them out, you'd, you'd let them dry, and then take them out and package them. And that was a that was a big improvement. Claire went on to talk about the delivery of these eggs to the egg grading station in Sunderland. You were just a little boy, but do you have any recall of how often and how many eggs you take into Doyle's? Yeah, you took them in. We took them in every week, uh, the I end see. of the week. And uh, when you took them in, uh, he would have the money for the, from the previous week ready for you. And do you have any sense of how many eggs? you were delivering each week? 20, to, 20 dozen to 30 dozen is what we would take in, depending on how many uh, uh, hens we had. Providing a further sense of egg production on these mixed farms, Claire found a letter 
written to his grandfather, George, in 1947. George was an agent for an area chick hatchery, and a neighbor, Robert Wood, had written to place his order for the upcoming year. In it, he writes, I am really well satisfied with my flock of hens this year. I have about 580 hens. I sold 2,713 dozen eggs for $926 last year. My highest day's record was 74 eggs. One week, we sold 286 dozen. It was a big job just cleaning eggs. They are going down a bit now, but not bad. We had 420 yesterday. Well, we've learned that our museum's machine was used at an egg grading station operating in Greenbank. But we know that Sunderland had its own egg grading station. It was located at 67 River Street on the south side, kitty corner from the CIBC Bank. The business is now closed, but the building remains, now converted to a private residence. The egg grading station's proprietor was Bill Doyle, a Sunderland merchant and businessman. We chatted with Holly Doyle, Bill's son, about his recall of the operation. When you went in that front door, straight ahead of you was a walk-in freezer and had a massive door on both ends, so a door on the street end, but a door also on the back on the processing end. To remember from a kid's perspective how big that room was, I would guess about 15 by 10. That's my guess had a huge refrigeration unit um, on the top, blowing cold air all the time. So that's, that was the first thing you saw. And then you went to the right. And so facing the street on the right was uh, the accounting office. The person I remember most is Jean Reel. She worked for my parents for years. And she did all the bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff in that, in that little front office room. And then you went in and kind of to your left. And then you were in the actual egg candling room and from what I remember it was always pitch black in there to allow the egg candling to occur and along the uh, would have been the western wall of that space there were about 15 candling stations and each station comprised a, a light um, which was kind of a yellowy green and so the candling process itself was to hold each egg up to that light to make sure there were no impurities or deformities in the egg. And if there were, the egg was put aside. If there weren't, it was allowed to continue. So somebody was putting eggs on a conveyor belt at the, uh, would have been the south end of that room. And they went along the conveyor belt past all these people who were grading eggs. And I can remember often, each person would, you know, they would take an egg off, they would candle it, and then they would put it on a separate conveyor belt, which took it to a weighing station, which seems awfully advanced for the 1940s and 50s, but the egg would roll off onto these uh, individual, they look kind of like uh, a spoon, but the the egg would be weighed and then it would go into a slot, small, medium, or large. The other end is taking those eggs off and packing them into a crate based on size. From Holly's description, there were clearly a significant number of eggs being processed at the Sunderland egg grading station. 
We asked him how his dad marketed the eggs. He had, he had the contract for St. Michael's Hospital and St. Joseph's Hospital, and one of the big public hospitals, and I can't remember which one, but a university, so I don't know which one it was. Um, and I think he got those contracts, my guess is, during the early war years, and they continued for about 10 to 15 years. I think it was quite mm -hmm. lucrative from um, the beginning of when he built the station until the early 60s. He also had a number of um, kind of specialty grocery stores that would buy in their 12 crates of eggs a week, but mostly it was the big hospitals. That was his, uh, that was his moneymaker. Our discussion ended with Hawley's recall of the operation's closure. I think it was about 63, 64, because yeah. I remember, I can't think of the name of the gentleman who bought it from my dad, but he had been an Ontario inspector and had, was uh, in, involved in inspecting the A-grading stations, and I think he thought he could make, maybe make an income from that particular, you know, enterprise. So he, he he tried to continue to operate it then, did he, as an egg grading station? Yeah, but I don't I think see. for very many years. I, I think within three or four or five years of when he bought it, I think it wasn't in operation anymore. I, my guess is that by 60, you know, I'm guessing, but 67, it was done. It was in 1972, with the passage of the Farm Products Agencies Act, that the Canadian Egg Marketing Agency was established. Consequently, the business of egg production and marketing changed significantly in Ontario. With this legislation, egg farming was governed by a supply management system. This allowed provincial marketing boards to control the number of eggs produced. This quota system maintains a constant price, and proponents say it ensures that farmers make a living and consumers have a steady supply of eggs. Rob Wilson, legal counsel to the Association Egg Farmers of Ontario, comments. You know the Egg Board is, is a marketing board, and that's a very special type of uh, organization because all the things that, that you've heard about which the board does and, and does a good job on, such as pricing and limiting the supply of eggs to serve the market and, and convincing the feds to have border controls. Uh, pricing and, and controlling the quantity, uh, those are illegal acts in Canada. We have a thing called the Competition Act and it's against the law for, for uh, anything uh, organized that's in restraint of trade. So the government has made a huge exception to the law of the land, allowing supply management in the agricultural sector. So it's, it's an extremely uh, unusual thing to have. As an outcome of these production quotas, we now have fewer egg farmers and much larger egg farm operations. Today, there are only about 1,200 registered egg farms in Canada. The Phoenix Poultry Farm, located just west of the village, is one such operation. Daryl Phoenix, the farm owner, was good enough to provide a tour of his family operation. As he guides you through his barn, the pride that Daryl has in his work 
is very apparent. I asked Daryl about the age of his barn. Did you build this barn, Daryl? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was when? Four years ago. So we had another one beside it. Uh, 64 pounds. This actual equipment, barn setup, and everything. There's four of these in Ontario. Uh, one at my wife's lake, he's a bit smaller. One down in uh, Wainfleet and one over this at one. The technology used in this barn is amazing. Listening to Daryl describe the automated feeding system offers a glimpse into the sophisticated design and agricultural science built into the operation. We ate 103 grams, so the energy that they use... Okay, so the, the feed uptake on this, pro, on this program, I want to be in... Uh, Really, 103, 106 grams, 100 feet truck of skin, 107 grams, 109 grams, a little too hot, 109 grams. Could be a little bit warmer, that, uh, cooler that day, under one, a little bit. So you try to keep them diet, so they get so many kilocalories. Right, right. So that tells us on that. So they, the feed company has access to that, so they know how much. They know exactly where you're at. Yeah, so there's four, they came last night at 12 o'clock a feet. So there's 40 ton A tractor trailer arrives twice a week to pick up the eggs produced by the 70,000 laying hens in this barn. The eggs are then transported to an egg grading station in Monkland, just north of Cornwall, for preparation and distribution to market. The story stemming from the invention of our egg grading machine accounts for the many changes in farming practice over the past century changes that parallel a population shift to greater and greater urbanization. Hopefully, our account gives greater meaning to the signs posted around rural Ontario, reminding us, farmers feed cities. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to our reflections. We know that every item in our museum's collection has a story to tell. Please join us for our next installment of Glimpses in Our Rearview Mirror. As Pearl Buck reminds us, if you want to understand today, you have to search yesterday.